A podcast so nice, we do it twice here on a Monday. I'm Johnny Venerable here on the PHNX Cardinals podcast, brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star wherever you get your podcasts. He's Damian Anderson. We got Saul Bookman and Bo Brock in the house at the PHNX headquarters in downtown Phoenix. And gentlemen, where do we even begin after yesterday? The fallout from the loss in Seattle, plus... All of the transactional moves, Bull Brock, that we've had over the past 24 hours. Yeah, who knew that the Arizona Cardinals offense, another no-show performance, was going to turn into the team completely overhauling their wide receiver room. Unfortunately, wide receiver Hollywood Brown, he's injured, probably going to miss a couple weeks here. But it's the return of I, DeAndre Hopkins, something that we've all had circled on our calendars. D-Hop back for the Arizona Cardinals, and we've always wanted him to play opposite a legit playmaker. We thought it was going to be Hollywood Brown. Now it looks like it's going to be Robbie Anderson in the form of a trade for a couple ham sandwiches, guys. I mean, Robbie Anderson comes over for not a 2023 pick, Saul. It's a 2024 pick and 2025 sixth and seventh round pick, respectively. Not even RGM could pull off a deal that nice. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, not at all. But, you know, honestly, I don't even know how I feel about it to be honest with you guys. I, I like he's a name that people recognize. That's, that's great. He's had one, 1000, uh, you know, yard receiving season, uh, in his career. Um, I know the potential has always been there and that's been the kind of the knock on Robbie Anderson is that, you know, potentially he could be, you know, a dominant wide receiver in this league. He's shown flashes, but he's just never been consistent enough, especially when you put in the drama that he, you know, he's obviously shown in in New York and and now Carolina. So is that really something you want to add to the locker room? We'll see. Guys, 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 it's been an up and down roller coaster of emotions, but unlike Sal, I like Robbie Anderson. I mean, they've had DJ Moore in Carolina. You got to look at the quarterback situation that they've dealt with, right? So it hasn't been a situation where he's, it's all been great. He's sleepy good. Don't get me wrong. He's not necessarily a number one, but I think he compliments DeAndre Hopkins. And it also shows me, guys, that the Arizona Cardinals are wanting to win right now. Obviously, with Hollywood Brown going down, them making this trade, it's like, hey, we got to win right now. And and as Cliff said, I know that we'll get into everybody's job is on the line from week to week. Yeah, it's been an emotional Monday, and when I saw that trade go through, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Because I thought Robbie Anderson was going to get cut today. Maybe a a needy receiver team like the Packers or the Ravens would pick him up. And then the Cardinals trade for him, and we all just assume, well, it's got to be for nothing, and it was. Now, he's under contract in 2023 for a decent amount of money. We'll get to that problem in 2023. But then, of course, it underscores Bo Brock, something you mentioned, that being Hollywood Brown suffered a, an unfortunate injury, the last offensive player of the game for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, it started worse than I think it, it was made out to believe. So Adam Schefter tweeted earlier today that it was a likely season ender. And then, no, 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 Ian Rappaport from the program came on and said, OK, on Twitter, it's actually going to be about six weeks. Some good news for the Arizona Cardinals. His foot isn't as bad as initially thought. It's a small non-surgical fracture source said recovery is about six weeks he's getting a second opinion from dr robert anderson before moving forward again that's rap sheet on twitter i checked the timeline i checked the calendar gentlemen december 13th hosting the new england patriots on monday night football that seems like the most likely return assuming his recovery goes well that's seven weeks including the bye and for me i feel much better than that than the the season's over go have surgery liz frank this that and the other I, I think we, with Robbie Anderson now and D-Hop returning, like, I don't see excuses. You need to score points even without Hollywood Brown. Am I wrong thinking that? 
Yes, a million percent. <laughs> you mean to tell me I got to wait yet another six fucking weeks to have these this magical pair that everybody's been waiting to put on the field together to see what this offense is truly going to be all about before we start downgrading Cliff and Kime and blah blah blah. And like, dude, I'm not I'm not trying to hear that. Like to me, they go out there, they lay an egg this Thursday. Um, like I I'm not I'm done. I'm almost. I'm about 99 percent of the way there well, right now. Anyway, you're you're on you're on par with the fan base. But here's what we talked about earlier today: Kime and Michael Bidwell. Obviously, Kime made the move. Michael Bidwell had to okay this trade. There is no way, even if they look terrible Thursday night, that Michael Bidwell would say, "Go trade future picks, bring this disgruntled wide receiver in." If he's about to fire Cliff Kingsbury on Friday, Bo, am I wrong here? No, I mean, it's it's definitely a move where this team is, like, the Josina Anderson tweet, I don't know if we still have it. It's very telling about where this franchise is, basically saying, hey, we haven't played well, we just have to play better, and we got a player that we think can help out the cause. I'm completely paraphrasing that tweet, but let's give it a shot. Basically, this is our last-ditch effort for the 2022 Arizona Cardinals. If it doesn't work out Thursday night, if they drop to 2-5, and five, I think that there's going to be some even more complicated and serious conversations about the brain trust that has put them in this situation. But let's think about this with Robbie Anderson. Like he's going to have to be on top of his P's and Q's. He was just dismissed 24 hours ago from his sideline, from his interim head coach and Steve Wilkes. He's a guy that's been disgruntled for far too long, but he's also got a quarterback list that would make Larry Fitzgerald blush. Both of them say like both played with Josh McCown, both. uh, And then he played with like Bryce Petty he had one good season with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic. That was the year of Fitzmagic. You had Sam Darnold a couple times, Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, and then a horrible Baker Mayfield. I mean, this is a guy that has thirteen yard, thir- over 13 yards per reception in his career. Not in a season. He's gone over 15 yards per reception in a season before. He's got the separation factor that the Arizona Cardinals need. He's got the size that diversifies their wide receiver core enough. You've got D-Hop coming back, who's a legit one. It's going to change this wide receiver core. you got to think about this, Saul. Did the Arizona Cardinals somehow, miraculously, in 24 hours' time, would you take the Arizona Cardinals wide receiver core yesterday or the wide receiver core today? Today, okay. today, but I will say this, you know, that analogy or that, that, that picture that you painted, it reminds me of when I was in high school and I got my first starter jacket and I thought that was the key to, you know, to start, you know, to start dating some hotties. And then I realized it was my fucking face. That was the problem the whole time. That's exactly what we're doing here with this team is that you have all these nice pieces, the accessories, you got the watch, you got the new receiver, you got the jacket, but the problem is the brain that is running the entire operation and it's that it's not working you really trust cliff to be able to turn this thing around with two added receivers that i guarantee you if they lose on thursday well you know they you know they just need to get back into the flow of things and they you know robbie needs to learn the offense and d hop needs to get back into game shape and blah 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 mark it down that's exactly what cliff is gonna say on fucking thursday if they lose like it's the same it's the same boilerplate bullshit that he keeps running out there time after time again. Sometimes, you know, the thing that we loved about uh, Bruce Arians is the fact that he'd be like, yeah, Fitz was dog shit today. He missed five fucking blocks uh, before we even got to the fourth quarter. Like he would call guys out. I'm okay with that, but you got to back it up. And I know the reason why Cliff isn't backing it up is because he's not confident in himself. He feels like he's, he's probably putting them in bad situations time after time. And when you're not confident in your own shit, you won't call anybody out because you're too scared to. 
So I, I don't think it's it's he's not confident. I think there is boys. I think he's that player coach where he can't find the fair line, right? Where Bruce didn't care. Bruce was like, hey, yo, uh, an egg is an egg. You got to play. You got to play. And I think that Cliff has that relationship with Kyler and other players where he's their buddy. Like, I'm not going to necessarily yell at, you know, you. It was like at halftime, he was talking to, you know, he's talking to one of the reporters and he mentioned, yeah, Kyler's got to stay, you know, he, nothing bad about Kyler. And Kyler had struggled, we saw, all throughout the game. And it was nothing. It was like, all oh, guys got to know their, you know, their their plays. Guys got to execute. But it was just, uh, Kyler's got to hang in there. And I think it's him going out of his comfort zone, keeping, as you said, keeping the guys accountable. That's the only way that they're going to get better. Because you could put lipstick on a pig, it's still going to be a pig. And unfortunately, until they address this offensive line, they're going to continue to get their ass kicked because Kyler can't, can't beat Kyler. I like this comment from Agent 47 saying, harkening back to 2019 when the Cardinals made a trade for Kenyon Drake midweek, and uh, he played his way over at 100 yards uh, on Thursday night football against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, different running back and receiver, but I like the optimism. And I- I'm with Bo on this one. I-, I The receiving core is better today, and I, I don't want to hear ex- exclusive- excuses from Cliff Kingsbury. You signed Zach Ertz to this three-year deal. He's getting more money now than like most of the tight ends in the NFL. And you handpicked Rondell Moore, and Rondell Mills Moore's healthy right now. I mean, like that should be enough, not only to win games, but at the very least, like score touchdown. You couldn't score an offensive touchdown against the 31st-ranked defense yesterday. It is not a personnel issue. The Seahawks team, player for player, if we just ranked the 10 best players from that game yesterday, Cardinals would have what nine out of 10 guys, maybe 10 out of 10. And they lost yesterday, and it wasn't competitive yeah. at times because the offense is so the offense is so broken. So I, I'm I'm with everybody with the with the mindset like I like that they're being aggressive. I like that they're not punting on the season. But in, until Cliff is better, there's no reason to be like overly optimistic that they're just going to turn it around. We have to see it, Bo. We have to see it transpire with our eyes. Otherwise, like you could freaking have Hopkins out there and Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams. And yeah. I, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm going extreme here, but it, at the same time, it's like what Cliff is doing. It is malpractice to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is dead last in yards per attempt for quarterbacks. He is on pace for 17 passing touchdowns. I mean, he looks worse than he's ever looked in his four-year career. I, his personnel was way worse as a rookie. I would argue it was worse in 2020. You've got proven players that have been ingratiated in this offense now. And I'm sorry, I don't want, like I, we're going to talk about Justin Pugh. He's out for the year. Like, everybody's got issues. Everybody's got offensive line problems. No offensive line is perfect outside of Philadelphia. Other teams are still finding a way to score 14, 21, 28 points per game. It's a Cliff Kingsbury problem that he is now challenged, Bo, and you talked to him today to solve, and that might be potentially relinquishing play-calling duties. Well, yeah, somebody asked him that, and he said, I'm, I'll do anything to win. I mean, it was it was him kind of just shrugging off the question for the most part, but it's a little bit more open-minded than we've heard because I, I, I remember people asking Cliff Kingsbury, would he ever consider bringing on an offensive coordinator? He said, if, if I bring in an offensive coordinator, what am I doing here? He and, shook. I'm yeah. telling you, he shook. Well, and it's like, it's the same thing. It, it, to, it, I love the starter jacket analogy, but also it's like me trying to go to the gym. Like, you, you can buy me Lulu, Nike, whatever outfit I could have, and I can look fly in there, but it's going to come down to me actually going and getting in the gym and getting in the lab like Johnny at Curves every Tuesday morning Curves. and putting packing on that packing on that muscle. But it, it comes down to, you know, Steve Kime is throwing everything at his head coach right now. He's thrown everything at him since he's gotten to the organization. I mean, you talk about second round wide receivers. You've got Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Rondell Moore. You're three deep there. 
You've got uh, – he gave him three wide receivers in one draft. Keyshawn Johnson, Akeem Butler was part of that with Andy Isabella. And then he brought in DeAndre Hopkins. Like, what we haven't seen from Cliff Kingsbury is the ability to, like, elevate a team when it's down. He's, yeah. if, he's got, if he's dealt four aces, if he's got Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, a healthy offensive line, and a defense that's rolling, he can win, right? But if he doesn't, can the Cardinals compete? And we haven't seen that. And I think that they're close, right? They're, they're better than they were yesterday wide receiver-wise, but it's not perfect. Can, can Cliff compete at the head coaching level enough for the Arizona Cardinals to dig themselves out of this hole? Two and four is tough. Four Marcus, years. You, you got four that scholarship of Panera Bread, my man. <laughs> four four years, and, and this coach needs to have everything be perfect. You know, like, isn't that part of the problem? Like, every coach in the league goes through adversity. Every coach in the league has to deal with injuries and, you know, guys that are out for the season or whatever. Like, why is Cliff Kingsbury need everything to be set up perfect for here, perfectly for him to succeed? And that's what I'm – that's the vibe I keep getting from everybody. It's like, all these pieces, but if, but if, but if – like I'm, I, I'm so done with it. And I was talking to Johnny earlier. Like it's, it's starting to become a problem because I went to the Eagles game and it was 70, 75% of the fan base was, was Eagles fans. And I was like, damn embarrassing. I remember the days in Sun Devil Stadium when it was the, largely the same thing. And you know what the two familiarities was, was that uh, when, when old Mr. B was in town and, and, you know, still with us, you know, he very rarely spent a lot of money. And so uh, the Cardinals lost a lot of games and nobody in the Valley wanted to go support that very often. So the opposing fan base just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Then when Michael took over the reins, he showed like, I care. I want to put money into this. And they did. The the last couple seasons have been a little like uh, WTF. What are we doing here? Especially in this last off season where there were so many questions going into it and not barely a move that really registered anywhere on either side of the ball. And now you're starting to reap those benefits because when the fan base starts to feel like apathetic or they don't really care if you win or lose because it's just like, what are we doing this for? That's when you've lost. That's when you've lost. And that's when the the home fans start to retreat and the visiting fan bases get bigger and bigger. That's exactly what happened ba- back then. I hope that shit ain't happening now because it's depressing. It, it Guys, it is depressing. And we've talked about this. We talked about the off season. We talked about everything being, and I, and I, I like, Cliff, like I really do. He's a hard I think guy. All of us like. Cliff. So do I. Not, to, not not to cheer for, but he's given. He's been given everything, guys. He's been given his quarterback. He's been given all the pieces on offense. He's been given a 2023 Z06 Corvette, and he don't know how to drive that bitch. Like that. That's what it appears. Like it just seems like he's doing the same old things. Everyone knows what the, what he's doing, and he hasn't you know, navigate it to that next level where you need to get Kyler out of the pop pocket. They're going to do things to anticipate that he's going to try and scramble. I just haven't seen that development offensively. And I understand that there's a game within the game. So that's why I don't want to be too critical. We talk about, you know, I heard Kyler talk about self-inflicted wounds. There were a lot of drive killers where it was sacks, you know, shitty penalties, things that stopped drives after those first two drives, no one knew what this offense could do because it was three and out penalty, whatever it was. And when you have though that compounded, so I get it. You want to have a reason to talk shit against your co-worker. co-worker. You want to have a reason to be out there and tweet and, and, and show love for your, your organization and where you're at. And when you don't have that and team hasn't playing consistent, 
that's frustrating. But there is a bright spot. You know, this this defense has been playing their ass off the last they four have. weeks. So, so you got to appreciate what they're doing. And I, all the questions in the preseason were about Vance Joseph, about the offense. You know, the offense is fine. They got Kyler. They got Hollywood. The, the, the offense is going to do their thing, going to be able to run the ball with James Con- Conner and company. Everything was surrounded by this defense, right? And nothing was made. No moves were made. And here we are, two and five, and no answering sight for this offense. Well, and I I also right, think four, like two and four. no, we, absolutely. And Cliff and Kyler yesterday looked more dejected and down, especially Cliff today, than I've seen them in months. This team, you are what your record is, and I I push back on the people who say, well, you can't en- encapsulate or include last season in this. I, I feel like. Since they went to Chicago and won with D-Hop, this team is playing 300 football. Not 500, not 400, 300 football. They are losing, I think, like three out of four games. Every four games they're playing, they're losing three out of four. That that wears on you. If if you're Kyler Murray, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, that's part of who you are now. And you're going to have to answer those questions. And there is no longer an expectation like there was when they were 10-2 and last year, 7-0, and that they're going to win every game. The offense looks like it's lost every bit of confidence. And, you know, to Saul's point, you look at your coach for that. You look at your coach to lead us and your $45 million franchise quarterback. And if those guys are hanging their head, it's like, shit, like, I love J.J. Watt. It's not J.J. Watt's job to pick up the offense. You know, Zach Ertz is a tight end. It should be those two guys, the two guys that you've made investment on. And, you know, I I can get up here and and bang on Steve Keim. I, I... the, the roster is more talented than some of the teams they've lost to. I mean, if they lose on Thursday night to whomever the Saints start at quarterback, they're, they're missing Marshawn Lattimore and, you know, all the receivers. And it's just the Cardinals are more talented than the teams they are losing. And you can rip on Steve Kime. I think, you know, he's got a lot of faults and maybe he should be replaced after the season. But it's it's an infrastructure coaching problem right now. And it's it's a disheartening feeling, guys. Bo, when, when you saddle up every Sunday to watch this team and you feel like, we are at a distinct coaching disadvantage. We do not have an advantage. And Kyler Murray is going to have to put on his Superman cape, and they're going to have to will us to victory playing backyard football. In the right. second half, when the scripts are out the window and the defense is playing their ass off, it's just got to be Kyler running around. Right? No, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I agree with everybody's frustration and the, the, why they would be skeptical, whether or not Cliff Kingsbury can turn this thing around. But you have to also be real that, Michael Bidwell is not making a move. He's not making a move tomorrow. He's no. not going to make a move if they lose on Thursday night football. He probably won't make a move unless they're about staring down two and eight through ten weeks of the season. That that's where I would think, okay, this is there's 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 no turning back. This is just a lost cause, especially this season. Uh, I mean, you talk about Chicago. That was the last time they scored over thirty points per game. Yeah, that was the last time back in be- beginning of December. DeAndre Hopkins really his last full game with this team. He scored that that big touchdown for them on a fourth down play, and that was the last time that they were put up thirty. You know, I'm not expecting him to be the ultimate savior. I'm expecting this offense. You know, given that they've backed themselves in the corner, that guys like Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury should be frustrated to where they it just means more action as far as attention to details and just playing better, and then also having an elite wide receiver out there should at least trend towards them playing better. You can't play any worse, actually. It, it, that's also the yeah, well we can knock on wood about that one <laughs> i mean two games where you haven't found the end zone skip to this super chat here from jordan p we really appreciate you uh hooking us up here 499 offensive line gave up 16 pressures to seattle and k1 missed easy throws do you want cliff to block and throw la 
offense sucks right now without an offensive line. Does McVay suck? I, and I think, look, that that's a part of it too. I think lack of execution as far as uh, plays left out there on the field by the players, DA, that's, that's another big issue. But what are you seeing as far as how, how do you kind of weigh the execute lack of execution and the play calling? Uh, I mean, I think that they're both tied hand in hand, Bo. Yeah. But you do have to block. You know, you do have to give Kyler opportunities. But when Kyler had those opportunities, as a $45 million guy, you have to capitalize. Like, that's the expectation. And I think this offense, I know that we give, go back and forth with players and coaches, but this offense is predicated – this team is predicated on Cliff's ability to call a dynamic offense, for this offense yeah. to be dynamic, right? You don't get a, a 5-9, 4-3 quarterback – and implement, you know, and get a coach from from college that hasn't been a head coach before, unless you're going to have design this team around what he does. And the question is, you know, why is Sal here? Because he GM some shit. Why is you know Bo here? Because he talks. Why is you know Johnny myself? Because we talk. You know, and you have to ask that question to Cliff. You know, to his players, are you doing your job? And why am I here? You know, am I making this team, putting this team in positions to be dynamic, Johnny, to go out there for Kyler? We saw it a little bit that for those first two drives, Kyler had that 42-yard run. But with the exception of those first two drives, Zach Ertz didn't get targeted to the third quarter. How does that they happen? Are, it's inexcusable. Happen, it's inexcusable. And they are 31st in yards per play this season, almost dead last i am done betting on them until further notice I, I you can do what you want i would recommend if you're gonna bet though use DraftKings. and we get the nba season right around the corner new customers can bet five dollars on any nba money uh money line bet and get two hundred dollars back if your team wins you can also boost your winnings up to 100 with DraftKings step up same game parlays if you want to dabble on the seahawks uh moving forward if you want to dabble on the broncos tonight taking on the la chargers you can do so on DraftKings, it's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use that promo code PHNX. That's promo code PHNX on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Our DraftKings king of the game yesterday, Zayvon Collins. We're going to talk about him a little bit later on, Bill Brock. Yeah, so Friday night we had an absolute electric party before the opening of Mullet Arena where the Sun Devils Rolled over Colgate, our guy Josh Stone, the first goal in the history of that that venue. But just the atmosphere, the vibe that we got going early at Four Peaks was electric. And, and we, we're going to have more of those events going on at Four Peaks. Keep and stay tuned to that. This guy knows all about the events. Maybe he'll let us know about one of them. I'll tell you what, a week from Wednesday, we're going to be hanging out the last Wednesday of each month. We're all the PHNX sports crew hanging out, doing our shows live from there. Check us out next Wednesday, not this Wednesday. You can also join us October 28th for the uh, Coyotes home opening takeover at Four Ooh. Peaks. It's a free event. Anybody, it's first come, first serve. We'll have beer. We'll have food. Come have a good time. Absolutely. If you want to enjoy that delicious nectar, there's Four Peaks brew. You got to be 21 years or older and also drink responsibly. Let's have a good time this Thursday at the Lola. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the PHNX Cardinals tailgate. And listen, we're bringing the good vibes to State Farm Stadium, to Glendale, at the Lola this Thursday. Tickets are running out. Grab them now. Come party with us. The tailgate starts at 1 p.m. We're going to get this shit right, for better or worse, right? Oh, we got our shit Hopkins. right on the tailgate side. And That's you, right. Hey, at the very least, you can come and, and just – have a have a great start to the night because it might not be the the it might be the only time where it's fun. 
Yes, for better or worse with the Cardinals, come and party with us, have some drinks, have have some good time, meet some cool people. Myself, yeah. <laughs> Oberhock, Stahl, Damien, Frank Sanders is going to be there. We're going to be there all afternoon in preparation and kickoff for the Arizona Cardinals hosting the uh, New Orleans Saints on Thursday Night Football. It's going to be a blast. All of our tailgates are fantastic. They do a great job at the Lola. We will see you there as well with Bird Gang Travel. Um, and listen, some positives yesterday. We talked about the defense. Let's do our weekly segment, the Pro Football Focus Notable Grades that we pull from the fine website, those folks over at PFF. Producer extraordinaire, Emma, there it is, Notable PFF Grades, Week 6 against the Seahawks. And if you could imagine, not a lot of love to the offense. Kyler Murray, sub-60 grade. But how about Antonio Hamilton, gentlemen, locking down DK Metcalf at times during the game. Marco Wilson almost at 70. The secondary for Arizona, I'm going to pull up a stat here in a second, has been fantastic. Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, balling out. The defense in general has been a revelation, but I think it's that secondary of this core group of five players, especially now that Antonio Hamilton's back. Mm, chef's kiss. And then on the flip side, Max Garcia, big stinker, right? Uh, DJ Humphreys, not great. And then I don't even have Sean Harlow up here. He was abysmal at center yesterday. I mean, Bo, when you look at these grades, what stands out to you? Was Ertz the highest on the offense at 67.6? Uh, he sure is. Wow. That's, I mean, that's just a pathetic performance. Then you got Kyler at just under 60 at 59.2, but it matches what you saw. Uh, I mean, as far as the defensive grades, you feel like they're pretty low. Hamilton's outstanding. A guy, the freak accident, uh, I'll I'll just tell everybody Howard Balser's article on what he's been through as far as Hamilton the last couple months with that freak accident in his kitchen. It's, it's unreal that he's already playing back at that level. A guy who was able to take a stranglehold of that CB2 position in training camp, which was gift, gifted to Marco Wilson. So and when Wilson played very well, and I can't wait to get to that, that number about the secondary, but these match up pretty much what you saw, especially on the offensive side of the football. Guys, you, you what what's most impressive to me is that secondary and their ability to make plays and without the lack of rush, right, without the lack of pressure and sacks that they have been getting. Obviously, yesterday with Ken Thomas and Maja Sanders, those youngins, you know, as well as Avon Collins. And we didn't see him on there because you saw in some of the run pieces he was getting out of position, right, on those yeah. cutbacks with, Ken, with Kenneth Walker. So I'm sure that's why his grade probably suffered. But that secondary, they've been playing well. We also always know about Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson. Ha- Hamilton's been great especially Bo, as you mentioned, what he's been through. But the lack of pressure and the lack of production from that defensive line and that secondary to still play at the level that they've been playing, that's encouraging. Obviously, you're happy about that, but we always talk about it, guys. It starts up front, and to have a guy like Max Garcia, your backup, whomever was playing out there, I guarantee you, you didn't need the analytics to know that the Arizona Cardinals offensive line was getting their ass whooped. So, I mean, it's unfortunate, but shit, man, they got to do better. Got to do better. I like I like this comment from Diego Seven, Marco Wilson, who everybody was just eating alive in training camp. Zero TDs allowed. Uh, and that brings me to my what I think this the most shocking statistic I've seen this season. Producer Emma, do we have the tweet about number one receivers against the Arizona Cardinals that have usually eaten this defense alive with Vance Joseph? How about this? This is from Rich Lord Reeves on Twitter. Arizona is allowing a league low. 10.2 PPR or uh, PPG to opposing wide receivers. So if you don't understand what that means, basically they are allowing the lowest uh, level production for any number one receiver when they face this team. Juju was it. And you know who was on Juju week one, Isaiah Simmons. But look at that. Devontae Adams, 12 yards. Cooper Cup, 44. DJ Moore, 50. 
AJ Brown, 32, DK Metcalf, 34. Gentlemen, I look at this and I say, uh, whomever's running this team in six months need to have the checkbook ready for Byron Murphy, friend of the program, because he is balling his ass off. The Arizona native, just fantastic. Guys, guys, I know that we're on a, a positive right now, Johnny. But I'm don't bring me something. down. Don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. Numbers don't lie. People do, right? So in looking at that, you'd be like, oh yeah, they did great against the number one. Travis Kelsey, eight for one twenty-one. Ugh, kind of hurt. Goddard, eight for ninety-five. Ugh, kind of hurt. That's not their wheelhouse. <laughs> That's not Byron's wheelhouse, though. And Byron's doing what he's supposed to. They don't run routes down the field and catch balls. They don't. No, no, no. I'm saying Byron Murphy has an assignment, and it's I'm going to lock DK Metcalf no, up. I'm going to right lock on, DK right Brown. on. They, they've done a, they've done a, a great job at identifying the number one and locking him down. The, the issues of as as I've said with good, good quality teams is going to be the tight end and their run defense. Right? They're yeah. they're giving up five point five. Tight ends are you know having success. I'm with you. I think the defensive secondary is, is played great. Byron Murphy is having one of those years where he's trying to get paid and kudos. He's yeah, a friend of the show. Kudos to him. Yeah. Pay, pay the man his money. He showed up just another guy, Vance Joseph, pay him his money. Right. After. I mean, guys, uh, Oh, listen, so I'm gonna you. why not? We why, were, hey, were we not on the same track last year? That's true. Okay. Tell me I'm wrong. Like the first half of the season, defense was balling. Offense was balling. Everything was all good. The only difference this year is that the defense maintained that. The offense has it. Let's get to week eight, week nine, and see if these fools don't fall off the fucking face of the planet before we start giving out extensions and, you know, rewarding guys for half-assed efforts in the last six games of the season. Well, you hear me, so Bidwell? Should have never extended those two. (laughs) You told me this morning when we were on the phone bitching about this team how, how demoralizing is it for the defense now to take the field, knowing that the offense is this inept? When does it start weighing on the defense? At, at what point are we going to get to the defense? It already is. I think since the home game against L.A., it's been weighing on this defense. Well, so. well like not only that, but um, uh, I know uh, um, Zayvon Collins was on post game talking about um, how he felt. Uh, well, they asked him, well, is it demoralizing that, you know, your offense only puts up three points? And he was like, well, you know, I can only speak to the defense. You know, we, we balled out and we, we did it. We did the very best we could right there. That answer by itself tells you he's like, man, f- these dudes like seriously, you got more talent than we do on this side. And you guys are just half assing it like there's there's it's going to come to a head, especially on Thursday night when you only have, you know, basically a day and a half to get ready for this game. Ooh, it could either be really, really ugly or it could be the best thing for Cliff because he can catch him off guard with the screen passes. <laughs> Reverses. Reverse. You know, Zayvon Collins, the, talk about the pro football grades. Is it true, Johnny, that he had a 40? Yeah, he was sub 50. And, you know, that's why you take these with a grain of salt. tackles and two sacks and a pass defense. How is it? He almost had a pick. Head scratchers. He, had a, he had a tackle for loss. I uh, To Damon's point, I'm sure it was because of some missed tackles. It was a run grade, yeah. Kenneth Walker. But I mean, just like Zayvon Collins, I think we can all breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief because it last year to this year, he looks like an NFL starter and we're going to go from there and hopefully he can blossom. But he's, he's putting people in position like to me, he's he's exceeded expectations now over Isaiah Simmons. Simmons is fine. He's out there. He's contributing. Zayvon's making plays like Zayvon is the guy in the middle. He does not. Bo, you tweeted this out. He's playing 100 percent of the snaps. He doesn't leave the field. And if you're my starting middle linebacker. And you're calling the defense, and the defense is balling. You get credit for that more so than just what I'm seeing on Pro Football Focus individually for you. That's what Carlos Dansby did for you know five to seven years. That's what Daryl Washington did before his career fell off a cliff. Like that's what Jordan Hicks did. 
Zavin's now. Let's pass the baton. Let, let's get it going. The defense, man. We're going to talk about some risers for this team, and hey, hence most of them are on the defensive side. But Bo, uh, get some comfy chairs there in studio that we were able to sit in yesterday and watch this slog of an offense made better by more furniture thankfully yeah when we're hanging out watching the games here in studio or when we're doing the halftime show or the post game show we were comfortable and we were styling all thanks to our friends over at more furniture mor furniture.com they got their fall sale you every for every thousand dollars you spend you can get a hundred bucks off from more furniture check them out more furniture.com you'll be as stylish as us here at phnx I'm into it. I'm also into trending up, trending down. We do it every Monday. Producer Emma, let's start with the folks that are on the rise for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Cliff Kingsbury's offense, but thankfully it is Zayvon Collins leading the charge, number 25, out of Tulsa. Uh, two sacks yesterday. Best. Yeah, we're talking about best career, uh, game of his career yesterday. I don't think we should underscore that. How about Marco Wilson? Almost had a pick in the end zone. Looks more and more comfortable every week. I mean, he's playing a ton. All the defensive players are on this list for a reason because this unit is balling out and then the cherry on top. They released Devon Kennard on Saturday. What happened yesterday? Cameron Thomas and Mize Sanders had sacks. Mize Sanders forced a holding penalty against the right tackle. Good hell. Could we have not done this two or three weeks ago? Maybe we'd have an extra win under our belt. But this, this is the young core of this team. I tweeted something out last night, gentlemen. Nine of the 11 starters defensively, if you want to count these rookies, are young or in they're in their prime of their career like Buddha. This this is a this is an attractive group of players for whatever reason if they do move off of the staff. This is your selling card as well as Kyler Murray because I give Steve Kimes some credit. We we shit on him left and right on the show. The draft picks are playing and they're playing well on defense, Bo. Yeah, they are. And Cliff told us today that that was the main reason that Devon Kennard was sent packing for a second time from this organization this season that those young guys have had forced their way into. And it's not just Cam Thomas and Maje Sanders, the third round picks. It's Jesse Lucetta, who was active for the first time yesterday. And you think, oh, well, didn't Lucetta have a crucial penalty? That was some ticky-tack shit on that call. Yeah. You know, the, the hit to, to Geno Smith and then another crucial call against Cam Thomas later in that drive where it was a hold on the other side yeah. of the line. And, and then it was a play on the other side of the field. So I thought that all three of those guys played well, and they forced the issue. I think it's taken too long to find this rotation. They obviously flooded the position after Chandler Jones, uh, but somebody was, dude in the desert on Twitter, pointed out to me that Cam Thomas, Zayvon Collin, Maje Sanders, all these young guys, more sacks than uh, Chandler Jones. Shocker. It's also that one coming. Yeah, I saw that shit coming from a mile away. Good times. Good times. <laughs> now, now let's get to the to the headline here. Who's trending down for this club? Let's take a look. Uh, no surprise. Uh, Kyler I'm Murray. Kyler the Murray's... coach didn't make this list. I know. Well, he's a, he was on the list last week. I I could put you him on the list back to back. Right Madam Dole was on the list back to back weeks. Well, he got isn't trending so down. Weird. He's trending out. <laughs> there see, there, see, there's uh, last week. There's uh, last uh, week. Hey, same name, same cast of characters. Kyler's playing the worst football of his career. He looks broken. It's not fun to watch. He looks skittish out there. I hate it. He's making $45 million. Every week we're thinking we're going to get vintage K1. Damien, it's it's not there. Guys, I, I got to be real. I, I understand what <laughs> Kyler is, but this offensive line is getting – I mean, they're getting overpowered. They're getting pressured. I mean, it. they they can't allow Kyler to be – to be Kyler. And I want to throw this to Saul because I know that he's extreme fam here and very emotional. 
Like, so is there any, do you think of any, do you think of any of that? You know what I'm saying? Do you think ever look at it as you got to be Kyler Superman and it's not the offensive line? Cause when I watch the game, I'm like, Oh, it's pressure. He got to get the ball out or he can't go through his progression. Don't get me wrong. When there's plays that Kyler needs to be Kyler and make the right decision. And if he isn't like throwing it on fourth and 11 to five, nine Hollywood versus a six, four corner to me, that's problematic at that position. But when he isn't having the time to be in plays developed, that's the offensive line. And I know it starts up front. So to me, as a former player, I could look at it and say, like, man, it is partly the offensive line. But when it's time for him to do his job, they're not even doing that. So it's almost compounded in terms of how it looks as a fan. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It, it, listen, Kyler, like, listen, we put like Kyler and Josh Allen in the same boat, right? Josh Allen has a little he's, he's got a little bit more leeway because of his height. Because of his build, he's basically like a junior Ben Roethlisberger out there on the field running people over and and things of that nature. Kyler's not going to be that guy. And when the pocket collapses around Kyler, that's when the height issue starts to arise. And he knows it's coming. So what is he doing? He's speeding up his process. His footwork is all jacked up. He's overthrowing guys. He's misleading guys. He's throwing short on guys. Like He's wildly inaccurate right now. It's because he doesn't trust what's going on in front of him on the offensive line. But in addition to that, he also does doesn't trust what is being called as yes. well. I believe that. I feel like schematically speaking, Kyler probably gets a play call and he's like, WTF, man, we got no shot on this. You know, on the, last, to Hollywood. Play, on, to on the last play to Hollywood, I sat there and they lined up and I was like, these fucking dudes don't got one chance to complete this play at all. Not a chance. I bet it's an interception. And then sure as shit, interception right in front of Hollywood. I was like, I told you, you could tell that was going to happen before it even happened. Like, again, like Kyler's a victim of what's going on in this, this whole scenario. He's making $45 million. There's a lot on his shoulders to try and override that. And from time to time, I thought last week he tried to do his damnedest to do that, uh, despite some of the other things that were going on. This week, he wasn't able to do that, and he didn't even come close. And that's what starts to worry you when you're talking about your franchise quarterback. And if these are the guys in Cliff and Kime that are going to take him to the next level, because I'll tell you this right now, um, I know everything was all all gravy for the first 10 games of the season last year, but since then, Kyler Murray has been one of the worst 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, and that's not up for dispute. It's a damn fact. And the only thing that's saving his ass right now is the fact that He came through in the clutch against the Raiders and he found some mojo here and there and he was able to save the season or at least get us a couple wins this season. He he did his best against the Eagles. But yesterday, man, that was like the opposite of what I saw against the Eagles. It was just really, really rough to watch yesterday, especially how the offense fell short. But the first quarter, they actually were moving the ball quite well. Now, they didn't find Pater. They they didn't cash in at all. But I thought as far as the design runs for Kyler were nice. I agree with Brian in the chat saying, and and Cliff has empowered Kyler to make any adjustments Mm -hmm. that he wants at the line of scrimmage. So I think Kyler doesn't mind that as well. I I don't see any rift. But, yeah, I do see a lack of confidence for sure. It's just overall from Kyler Murray. But are you confident that the checkdowns are even – Worthy checkdowns yeah, I mean, too. They, are they even the right play call to you know move I'm saying? away from? Sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's a fair. If I go criticism. from shit A on my sleeve to shit B, does it really matter which shit I'm trying to throw out there? <laughs> I'm just trying to say, you know, they, I have he, that wrong, Damian. Damian, you've been in the you've been in the huddle, you've been in the league, you understand what these checkdowns are all about, or some of the modifications that a quarterback can make. Is there such thing as having one bad play topped with another, and those are your options as you get to the line? For sure. I mean, one thing that we haven't seen, I'm sure that you guys are aware of, is a hot route. 
right? Like teams are bringing pressure. You, we have. When was the last time we've seen Kyler? Like it doesn't even seem like it appears. We see every other team have that ability. But in terms of those checkdowns, I mean, I look at it as positive yards, right? But I mean, it's almost a waste of down when it's third and twenty-two, right? And you do a checkdown for five yards. It makes no sense, right? You're but you're giving your one of your athletes an opportunity to make a play. I haven't seen, but with the exception of the last game, we haven't seen guys in spaces making plays, right? We saw Rondell Moore do some athletic things, but I mean, yesterday was just a, a dumpster fire of every aspect of the offense. There was no progression, Bo, as you mentioned, with outside those first two series, you know, where they went about 23 plays for over 120 yards. And then after that, it was, it, it was, it got bad, but that could also be related to the offensive lineman injuries that they had. And listen, Joseph Boyd uh, in the chat says, uh, let's not act like uh, Mahomes and um, and Allen have had to overcome either of those. Uh, I beg to differ. I don't know if you remember the Super Bowl, but Mahomes was running for his life in that Super Bowl because that offensive line was atrocious. He was still able to overcome some of these things because he's just a freak kind of athlete. But in terms of what, what's up, Johnny, you, you the, look like you're well, the, no, no, you're. The offensive line thing is over. I'm sorry. I can't listen to that anymore. They no. gave up seven sacks in five games. It's not an offensive line problem. They weren't scoring touchdowns before yesterday, and the offensive line sure. was 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 sure. at, at least upper tier in terms of pass protection. It is beyond the offensive line. I can't listen to that. I, people are like, well, Kyler overcomes it with his mobility. No, no, no. Like, uh, typically mobile quarterbacks run into more sacks. The, the offensive line is a problem right now, but the, he's got two good tackles. For the most part, he's had two or three of his interior offensive linemen healthy. They can't score touchdowns. Teams with bad offensive lines are still scoring touchdowns. It's not an offensive line problem. Now, will it be moving forward without Pew? And if Rodney Hudson doesn't play, maybe it gets worse. I, I just, I, I'm so sick of that argument. It look around the NFL, turn another game on. Everybody is starting practice squad guys. The Rams are scoring 25, 27 points. They're with their third string left tackle. Their quarterback can't move. He's 34 years old. He's got a bad elbow. Like it's a Cliff Kingsbury problem, which trickles down to Kyler Murray. I want to get to the super chat, soul pancakes. Kyler has more control over this offense than he has before, which is why he was given play call duties over the preseason. So that doesn't hold. I agree. You know, I just, he knows the playbook. He's been in this offense for four years. The playbook might not be very good. I agree with that sentiment, but again, like if if I'm in a Yugo, cool, I have the full control of the Yugo, and this shit box ain't gonna get me anywhere too. So I can have eighteen thousand plays, but if they're all trash, then they're all trash. Like we, Kyler doesn't. I'm not trying to absolve Kyler of any of this, but again, he's dealing with a playbook that for a large portion mm. of this season we've looked at and we've questioned all over the place. So what makes what you think the checkdowns are any better? No. They're not. Yeah. And I think to, to your point, Sal, I think that that is it. When we talk about coaches, opposing coaches getting film, right? And you got to progress as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach. And I don't th- I think that there lies the question. Like you haven't seen this offense take that next step in progression, right? It's the same plays that we've seen in terms of year one, same type of runs with Kyler. We've seen the same. We, we haven't seen a play development, maybe schematically, where we're like, wow, they've never done that before. We saw a little wrinkle of the option early on in the season, but we haven't seen much. I, I did like the fact that they ran him more, and maybe that's because Colt McCoy is back and they were trying to maybe conserve him with McSorley, you know, backing him up. I don't know, but it seemed like having McCoy back on the lineup, they were a bit more aggressive running the ball. It could have been coming from us as well. Everybody's been talking about Kyler needing the run. I mean, the dude had over 100 yards, but we know to win in the NFL, you got to be able to pass the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, they're not playing that game of chess that, that most good coaches in the NFL play. And, and they're not when, – when their opponent makes a move, they're just moving forward with their game plan. They're not, you know, reading, you know, what just happened and then trying to react to it. The, the lack of adjustments is glaring, no doubt about it. Where do you – I want to take – I mean, Saul, you seem like this is not something that can be fixed. Damian, Johnny, do you think that this is something where Cliff is in a play-calling slump, he's making the wrong adjustments, and then with the right – maybe going in the right direction with the right players that he can get out of this slump, or is this not a fixable situation? Hopefully for the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, hopefully for the Cardinals, it is right. I think that the big asterisk or caveat that we have right now is D hop, right? Like, and I took to, to Saul's point. I don't think that it's going to be, they, we have reasons why, right. Where uh, Robbie just got here. Uh, we're just getting um, D hop acclimated. We got some injuries at the offensive line. We need to get healthy. However, like moving forward, like this team, given all the weapons that they have offensively, Cliff Kingsbury has the perfect, you know, dinner plate, right, to serve whatever he wants. So all the pressure is on him to be successful. Like you got Kyler Murray, you got D Hop, you got Robbie Anderson, you got James Conner, like Johnny talked about. You got studs at every position, right? You're finding special practice practice squad guys getting activated, making plays. So Cliff, why can't we do that with the Arizona Cardinals. Why isn't that happening? So I would I, I say the jur- jury's still out. I give it up to the bye week. If they haven't won a game by the bye week, I think that Michael and the Brain Trust and Steve Com are looking to to make moves. Up until then, I think that they got some. Once they're officially, I would say it's it, it's optics is everything, right? It's how bad they lose, guys, right? How do they lose, or if they're winning? If they're losing bad, and it's just this offense hasn't progressed. I could see it happening sooner than later, but if they're winning football games and they're making it competitive, Cliff will be around. Yeah, I, I'm of the mindset, Bo, that if if they fall out of it, eh, then he'll get fired, and that's as simple as that. Like if they if they look terrible the rest of the year, he's going to lose his job. So I'm like, yeah. I, I if he, I don't know if he's going to fix it or not. I, I wish I had the answer because I I've been of the mindset for the last six months that the offense is just too talented to go through the motions and not score points. And then I watch what I watched yesterday. And was completely dumbfounded for three hours watching a team as talented as the Cardinals are, even with the injuries up front, not be able to score touchdowns against the 31st ranked. If these dudes come out on Thursday and they and they they do the same thing that first half that they've which been doing totally possible, all season, which is totally possible. Man, I, I'll tell you what, because there won't be I mean, Saints fans are okay, but they won't they won't be like the Philadelphia Eagles fans. No. Um, this should be and plus it's a Thursday night. It's gonna be tough to get to whatever. It'll be so mostly car I would say 80 It'll be mostly probably. Cardinals, and that stadium will be rocking in the worst way possible if that happens in the first half. I promise you that. People will chant for Cliff to be gone. I promise you they will. On national TV, it got Mike McCoy fired when the Cardinals were so inept against the Broncos in 2018 on Thursday Night Football against a bad Bronco team. So, yeah. I, I don't think Cliff's going anywhere until at least January. I think you're gonna they're gonna give him it's, this trade. I thought there was a possibility when the day started today he could be fired by Friday. This trade makes me believe that Michael Bidwell is gonna let this process play out until January, for better or worse. Can he figure it out? I don't know, but you guys need to figure out how to use underdog fantasy because it's it's flipping fantastic. Uh, I've been taking the over on a lot of the players uh, for the Arizona Cardinals stats this year. Uh, I'm going to dabble in the under, even with uh, guys like Robbie Anderson and DeAndre Hopkins, and you can phase me if you want, but get on underdog fantasy. It's fantastic. What you can do is you can search in the app store or click on the link in the show notes, sign up with promo code PHNX. Guess what? Underdog fantasy is going to double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. That's 200 bucks if you're scoring at home. That's Underdog Fantasy, 
promo code PHNX. Get in on the action today, fellas. You'd be hard-pressed to find anything other than watching the Arizona Cardinals operate on offense that will put you to sleep and keep you to sleep. But OGs is changing the game as far as that goes. OGs is flavoring dreams with their Sleep Time Gummy, which is an aquaberry flavor. It's delicious, and it absolutely works. It's got that 2-to-1 THC to CBM ratio gummy. It's CBN. It's the compound that helps you go to sleep and stay yep. asleep. Sleep Edition Gummy is legit for those who struggle keeping yourself up at night. Those days are over thanks to OGs. They've also got other great cannabis products. you got to check them out online, ogsbrands.com. That's O-G-E-E-Z brands.com. Check them out on Instagram as well. Find your pro- their products in your local dispensary. you got to be 21 years or older. It's game week, gentlemen. Thursday night football. Get your game gear going. Go to gophnx.com. Become a member. Dabble in the PHNX merchandise locker. Check out this fresh tee, the Hollywood Hill sign atop Camelback Mountain. It's our hottest-selling T-shirt right now, only exclusively available in limited quantities. Get it now. PHNX Merchandise Locker. Become gonna, a member. I think we're putting a Band-Aid over it somewhere, but, you know, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> God damn you. Uh, go PHNX.com. <laughs> become a member. Just under 60 bucks for the entire year. Cop that T-shirt. You also get this celebratory touchdown tee that I am looking to score myself ahead of Thursday Night Football. Look at that. Fantastic. I need to see some touchdowns on Thursday Night Football. Get this T-shirt. Manifest it into reality, ladies and gentlemen. Become a member. Use that promo code Howard. Howard Balzer cranking out articles on the reg. Spitting hot fire. He's got a great article up today that you should dabble into. While the Cardinals' problems go way beyond Cliff Kingsbury, it's worth a read. Um, Guys, it's been a fun one here on a Monday. A lot to talk about. A lot to discuss and preview ahead of Thursday Night Football. I'm beyond the point of asking, is this a must-win for Cliff Kingsbury? Because... Guys, we're just we're here for the ride and we're enjoying it. We're enjoying all of you. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave us a five star wherever you get your podcast. For Damian Anderson, Bo Brock, Saul Bookman at the at the PHNX headquarters in downtown Phoenix. We're going to be partying at the Lola this Thursday. I'm Johnny Venerable. We'll see you there. Peace.